Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie Gregoire Trudeau have announced their separation. An Ottawa man is organizing a protest against gender ideology in schools and is calling on all faiths to join the protest. The University of Lethbridge is being sued for cancelling a talk about how wokeism is threatening academic freedom. Hello Canada, it is Thursday, August 3rd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Andrew Lawton. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We have got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. In a surprise announcement Wednesday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his wife Sophie Gregoire Trudeau each announced they would be legally separating from one another. In a statement posted on social media, they said they would be parting ways. The statement from Justin Trudeau said, quote, Sophie and I would like to share the fact that after many meaningful and difficult conversations, we have made the decision to separate. As always, we remain a close family with deep love and respect for each other and for everything we have built and will continue to build. For the well-being of our children, we ask that you respect our and their privacy. A statement from the Prime Minister's office confirmed the separation and said that the entire family would be going on a vacation next week. Sophie and Justin got married in 2005, 18 years ago, prior to Justin Trudeau's decision to wade into politics, and he eventually become the leader of the Liberal Party of Canada. At the time, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau was a well-known TV host in Quebec. The couple have three children together, Xavier James, Ella Grace Margaret, and Adrian Gregoire. This is a massive news story in the sense that you do not see this often. In fact, it's only happened at one point in Canada's history before, and that was with Pierre Elliott Trudeau and Margaret Trudeau. But I I think there's a bit of a question as to how newsworthy it is for some Canadians. We see a lot of discussion online about the fact that no one should really be talking about this. We should leave them alone. Uh, What's your thought on this, Lindsay? You know, it is newsworthy, I think, for sure. From a politics angle, you know, what could matter is the timing of when they released this statement. Does it have to do with Justin Trudeau running again in the next federal election or not running again? So there's nothing conclusive on that, but some people have been questioning the timing. Uh, We also wouldn't want him to be using this separation as a way to kind of avoid media attention on on issues that are going to come up or like as a way of excusing him because he's going through personal troubles. So, oh, you know, let's not question him too hard on inflation or housing. Like he's going through a hard time. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want something like that. So that would be my take on it. Yes, I think you're right about that. And I do believe wholeheartedly that no one should be politicizing this. And I, I mean, in the sense that no one should be politicizing this to criticize Trudeau. But your point is a valid one also, that we shouldn't see this politicized to defend Trudeau or to deflect against criticism. Which I guess brings us around to the point that do you think Canadians will actually care about this? Because we know that divorce is unfortunately all too common and is very relatable for people. Do you think this will actually change Canadians' perceptions of him either way? I do see people making jokes online about how, oh, you know, Sophie, we we wish we could divorce Trudeau too. But overall, I think the sentiment has been, yeah, divorce is really unfortunate. There are three children involved here. And I'm not seeing too much animosity towards him and his family. You know, personally, though, I'm not above a little bit of 
gossip, so maybe you'll indulge me, Andrew. But, you know, back in 2020, in the early weeks of COVID, we did learn that Sophie and the kids were living separately from Trudeau, from Justin, and they weren't considered close contacts during COVID. And, you know, I I keep thinking about this video clip I saw circulating online, also from 2020, where Sophie and Justin go in for a kiss and they just look disgusted with one another. They look like they hadn't done that in years. So, you know, sometimes those little snippets you see, sure, like they can't characterize the whole marriage, but in retrospect, they can be telling. An Ottawa man plans to organize a million-person march to protest gender ideology and Pride Month in schools. Organizer Kamel El-Sheikh, a Muslim activist and businessman, is hoping to bring people of all faiths together from across the country on September 20th. El-Sheikh has organized numerous protests in Ottawa over the last several months, bringing together various Muslim and Christian groups that oppose gender ideology and sex education in schools. El-Sheikh said, quote, I am optimistic, absolutely. You know, if there's one thing that's going to inspire Canadians from coast to coast to go down and protest, it's the kids and their innocence and its families. El-Sheikh went on to criticize Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for his pressure on Muslim communities to accept his radical LGBTQ beliefs. El-Sheikh believes such ideology is akin to a fatwa, or a sin to the faith. El-Sheikh says he is confused as to why both the Trudeau government and the school system seem to be so hell-bent on teaching sexuality to children instead of prioritizing real education. He also criticized Justin Trudeau's comment that parental rights were in some way tied to the far right. Andrew, can the Liberals count on the Muslim vote next election? I think they've always taken it for granted in the same way that they've taken a lot of minority votes and the votes of new Canadians for granted. And uh, what's happening, though, is that they're now finding that new Canadians have values that are far more aligned with traditionalism than they do. And I think that right now it's going to be very difficult for a lot of Muslim Canadians, certainly those who have been organized into various groups or community organizations that have gotten involved on this, to cast ballots for the Liberals and for a lot of provincial governments that are pushing many of the same policies here. If we remember um, 2019, Andrew, both you and I were talking about the um, Canadian Muslim Voting Guide, which was released by a professor at Wilfrid Laurier University, Dr. Jasmine Zine. She used taxpayer money in the form of a government grant to produce a voting guide for Muslims. So she, yeah, she used taxpayer dollars to tell people how to vote. Of course, you know, the liberals got an okay grade. She said, you know, absolutely don't vote conservative, don't vote PPC. Uh, But yeah, NDP. So she was advocating for the NDP. Um, But, you know, and, and by the way, I mean, later she was found to have breached election commissioner laws. She wasn't fine, though. I I wonder if something like that was released today, if there would be more of a backlash, because yeah, the Muslim community in a lot of ways is more aligned like you're saying, with conservatives on on the issue of parental rights and beyond. Yes, and I, I think that's where you get into the question of how deep that coalition really is. I, I mean, it's easy for an evangelical Christian and a social conservative and an Orthodox Jew and a devout Muslim to align on parental rights and, and on some of these matters of, of sexuality, but it might be very difficult for the same group of people to align on Israel or to align on national security or to align on immigration. So uh, it depends on what people think are, are most important 
important. And I, I go back to what you said about uh, El Sheikh's comments here, where he talked about when, when children are involved, that tends to make it a, a pretty key issue. And I think most people would probably vote in their family's interests above any other political issue or ideological issue. It's true. It is, you know, innocence of children. It does bind people together. However, when El Sheikh is using language such as, you know, fatwa and saying that, you know, being queer and being Muslim, uh, not that I use the word queer, but, you know, being part of the LGBTQ community and being Muslim is blasphemy. I wonder if that language is going to turn off a lot of people. You know, when I see the word fatwa, even though I, I, you know, am on board with parental rights and there's too much gender ideology in schools, uh, I also don't want to be, you know, talking about fatwas. Yeah, for a lot of people that care about this issue, it's not a holy war that they want to wage. The University of Lethbridge is being sued for cancelling a talk by former Mount Royal University professor Francis Widowson on, quote, how wokeism threatens academic freedom, unquote. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms announced Monday that it had filed a court action on behalf of Widowson, University of Lethbridge philosophy professor Paul Viminitz, who organized the talk, and University of Lethbridge student Jonah Pickle. The three applicants are seeking a declaration that the university breached their freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, as well as freedom of peaceful assembly guaranteed under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They are seeking an injunction requiring the university to allow the talk to take place on campus. Widowson, who was fired by Mount Royal University in 2021 amid her criticism of an indigenization agenda, was invited by Viminitz to speak at Lethbridge on February 1st about how woke ideology is hostile to free speech, open inquiry, and dissent, which are essential components and conditions of academic freedom and universities. Viminitz hoped the talk would have allowed for people to assemble and engage in social and democratic discourse. The university initially approved it, but later backtracked amid two petitions, and University of Lethbridge's Department of Indigenous Studies was among many faculty groups and members calling for the event's cancellation. Instead, Widowson opted to give her February 1st talk in the university's atrium, but on the day of, she was met with a large group of protesters that essentially deplatformed her in real time. When she tried to move to an adjacent area, she was continuously shouted out by shouting, drumming, and chanting, and eventually had to move the talk to Zoom. Uh, these stories are not new and they are not rare. I know you, Lindsay, have had many of these encounters yourself with events you've been involved in here. Uh, do you think that the court is going to be the vehicle that addresses this in a way that supports freedom? I would hope so, but it's hard to say because I think events like this actually are becoming more rare, but it's because students aren't really organizing pro-free speech events on campus, so there's not much to be shouted down anymore, if that makes sense. You know, uh, free speech groups on campus are becoming more rare, and you just don't see students or professors taking the initiative to organize events like this because they see in the news what happens. They might even see it as pointless because this is how it's going to end up is, you know, a fire alarm being pulled. Um, yeah, the speaker being shouted out and having to leave. So yeah, the, the culture of free speech on campuses, it's just continues to decline every year. It's just in a total state of dread and misery. When we see 
something like this happen, there's always that hope that people will realize that, you know, this is not a constructive or healthy or a prosperous way to run a society. But we never actually really see that regret from people. I mean, even Frances Widowson, who's on the political left, uh, because she isn't in lockstep with the left on uh, some of these issues, uh, they have no use for her. Right. And namely, the indigenization initiative. She's She's critical of it, which is what got her fired. You know, she was a tenured professor at Mount Royal University. She was fired because of her criticisms when ultimately, yeah, she's someone who stands for open inquiry and the ability to criticize anything, particularly in the academic environment. And, you know, it's such a loss to have someone like her not teaching at universities, not researching at universities. That's it for today. Don't forget to check in at www.tncnews throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.